for me, actually, it was like transforming personally. So I wasn't just learning something, but I was learning also about myself and my thoughts changed and evolved as I learned more about myself and about um, interdependence and the course content. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Circled Square, the podcast where we talk about teaching and Buddhist studies. In this episode, we're doing something different. Rather than interview people who teach in Buddhist studies, as I usually do, for this episode, I've spoken with students about their experiences in one specific and different kind of course. This was a course taught by my colleague, Francis Garrett, at the University of Toronto, called Interdependence. It was a third-year undergraduate course in the fall of 2019. Now, at first, you may think there's nothing unusual about a Buddhist studies course on the topic of interdependence or interdependent origination. It's a core Buddhist concept that describes how everything is connected by cause and effect and is in constant flux. But after personally hearing a lot about how unusual this course was in its execution, I decided I really wanted to hear from the students of this course about their perspectives on what happened in this unusual learning experience. So here, you're going to hear excerpts of interviews with five of the students from the class. This is a compilation of their voices, and we're about to jump right into a kind of intense experience that the group had on the very last day of the semester, something they built towards all term that really generated a powerful and moving experience for many of them. Before I turn you over to the students, let me explain a bit about the course overall. Throughout the semester, students read and discussed Buddhist source texts in translation writings by contemporary Buddhists, and secondary scholarship by philosophers as well as scientists who've been influenced by Buddhist ideas of interdependence. So they read Nagarjuna and other Buddhist philosophers, as well as some more unusual readings, like a book by a biologist, Kriti Sharma, called Interdependence, Biology, and Beyond, and Alexis Shotwell's Beyond Purity, a book about ethics, change, and social movements. In this writing-intensive course, Students did weekly, philosophically, or phenomenologically oriented reflective writing. So please see our website notes for a full course description. But in the class time, as you'll hear, students did unusual things. It was really structured around experiential and embodied learning. And in this class, Francis had students up out of their seats in an effort to help them feel interdependence with their bodies. They laid on the ground, they did breath work together, they used a three-dimensional geodesic dome to put photos representing their lives into relationship with one another. They really built community. These interviews were conducted about six months after the class, a few months into the COVID-19 pandemic. The students all talk about how the course had left an imprint on them in these months afterwards, and in particular how studying the topic of interdependence influenced their experiences during this strange pandemic. Part of what I liked hearing from these students is what they remembered about the course these months later, how the course continued to have meaning in their lives, both intellectually and personally. So without further delay, I'll give you to the students themselves. You'll hear from Shinran Huang, Sam Karavika, Sally Andrews, Richard Wu, and Aaron Marshall. Enjoy. I thought more courses should really be like this. I think it's such a fulfilling and engaging learning experience that makes it really memorable. Probably one of the most memorable learning experiences 
that I've had in my university career. I think given the nature of the topic of interdependence and emptiness in Buddhist philosophy, um, setting up the course to be very activity-based and experiential serves the material so well. And it's, it's really necessary that we go beyond just an intellectual discussion of these ideas. I think that when we were doing this, we're disclosing like complexities of our experience in our lives that aren't often shared. And this made the classroom like a really great place to be. There was a lot of challenge around figuring out what we would do as a, as a community at the end. And the idea of presenting ourselves the last day within, I think it was five photos, pictures, drawings of where we were, who we were to each other, and then connecting it on a dome came together and we had time to do that. It was, there was a big step to get to the point where I really was comfortable with me. And I chose my pictures very carefully. And I think having heard the rest of the class present their selves, I think everybody did choose very mindfully, very carefully, and very trustingly. Um, because there were things that we didn't know about people, you know. And then when we all hung our selves on the connected dome and we all just stood there, it was this silence. It was uncertainty what to do, but not an uncomfortable silence. And we experimented with picking it because it was a movable dome, picking it up and being within everybody. You know, holding it over, you could see it from a completely different angle and looking at it, moving it, and talking a bit about our individual process of choosing. Um, in my case, I didn't include Peter. And other people had other things that they had or didn't have in theirs. So we entered the final phase, which was sharing a new type of breath work. At first, it was awkward for me because there I was lying on the floor. I lay on the floor a lot throughout the course. I mean, and yet you're very conscious because you're breathing differently and you're breathing very loudly. And you can hear other people at the start. It didn't take long before for myself, I became quite part of it. You know, it was, I was totally there. I, I, it, it was very moving. And so you're doing this breathing, which is physically challenging. And you're getting so much oxygen, you wouldn't want to stand up suddenly. I think I would have being dizzy, but you don't feel sick or anything. And then when you stop and your body is sort of driving or electric on this oxygen, 
there's nothing else going on but that moment. And it was fabulous. But what it did was, for me, it opened up a little glimpse of what it might be. I'm not Buddhist either. Um, what it might be to experience that intense meditative moment. And it was just this glimpse, but it was fabulous. And then at the end, as we all slowly came back as a community, because that was very individual, even though we were doing it together. It was a very close time to say goodbye. And we left the dome and Dr. Garrett with a lot of physical hugs and went on. You know, it was, it was a very good way to get a different view of what I'd read about in Tibetan Buddhism. I took the Himalayan Buddhism course. It sounds corny, but it was a form of a high that was very electric in your body. And yet you did it to yourself, with yourself. So a couple of the readings gave you hints over the years of people who have strived to be enlightened. And I have a friend who has become a Lama, Tibetan Lama, and I got in touch with her. She says that it's something that, even within their practice, that that total oneness with whatever you're doing happens. It was, what a way to do it to discover that that is a, not just a possible, you actually see that happens. This is not a pretend study of something in the past, historic um, meditation practice or anything else. It's, um, yeah, it was an amazing last class. Yeah, so while we're in this exercise, my body begins to tense up. Um, I just start receding into myself almost. My hands clench up like claws. My arms pull in towards my chest. My shoulders tense up towards the top of my head. And I'm really just there, like writhing on the floor a little bit. And at some point, I suddenly began to think of my elementary school librarian, who had probably not crossed my mind for at least a decade and he had suffered a stroke and had lost some control in about half of his body that looked very similar to the way that I was tensed up. And, you know, when we were young, we used to mock him for it because kids are just real nasty sometimes. But now during this experience, I, I was feeling this, this, this really deep sense of compassion and empathy for him and thinking about what a terrible, scary thing it is to experience something like that and lose some of the flexibility and autonomy that we have over our bodies. And so as the breathing exercise was coming closer to the end, when we started breathing normally again, 
you're sort of thrown into this sensitive and emotionally suggestible altered state of consciousness. And so I'm, I'm, I'm slowly coming down and I'm, I'm regaining the sensitivity in my body and in my hands, able to control my fingers again. And I, I, I just touch the, the grooves on the yoga mat and I'm feeling the little fibers that are sticking up out of the carpet. And I just began to, to cry pretty strongly thinking like, wow, what an amazing, beautiful thing our bodies are. And like this intimate sensory connection we have to the world that's mediated like this. And so I was, I had like an incredible sense of gratitude and awe at like what my body was and what it gives me. It was pretty powerful. Oh, I did cry during the um, actual practice and it wasn't anything to do with Peter. It was something conjured up related to a friend of mine on my 50th birthday. My, when I turned 50, I spent the years celebrating. Every time something wonderful happened to me, I'd say, that's because it's my 50th birthday. And that year, a friend of mine, I bought a kayak that year, a new, new sea kayak. And he and I just lay on the beach because he's also a kayaker. And I remembered it and I miss him. What that practice did was in preparation for it, I found out that memory isn't real, it's practiced. And Peter will, I'm going to cry again, sorry. Peter will always be with me, but he is now no longer with me. As a man ravaged physically, mentally, um, when I see him, he is a healthy man in his early 60s, as opposed to mid-60s under disaster. Um, so not putting him in was an active decision. I left him on the kitchen counter. I had him there with me, but I did not take him because our life is over. So, sad still, different sad. Um, I have since had a dream of Peter, which will stay with me forever. And one night he came to me in a dream, but it didn't feel like it. And he actually stood at the bed saying, just checking in. How are you? And that was about a month after the course ended. His body was healthy. His mind was healthy. And I can't even imagine him now the way he was. Although I am very sad still. It's better. It is better. Because I can be sad and okay with it. I know it doesn't sound like I am, but I really am. Um, I, 
I felt a lot more connected towards, I felt really connected towards the, my classmates and the instructor uh, throughout the course because we were, we were very close and the way our class discussions and went, uh, because before I, I did hear about and I knew um, the meaning, what uh, the meaning of interdependence, but it was more like a knowledge instead of experience. But in the course, I actually felt like the way the course was conducted, um, I actually had hands-on experience of interdependence and how that feels like. And to experience that was, like, I felt like it was personally transforming because it really brought about a new kind of understanding for me of that concept. I think that, so it's actually part of the class work where we engage with each other, both at the um, sort of more affective level, as well as at the intellectual level. So intellectually, of course, we have the seminar discussions about what we think about the readings, critical reflections, and uh, sometimes even argumentations about what we take from the readings. Uh, and on the more affective side, we're also encouraged to practice um, things like mindful listening, where it's sharing each other's experience, where the listener would just sit open and attentive without making any comments or, or uh, talking back to the person. And we just purely listen and attend to what the person has to say. And that's one way in which I actually, I was surprised to find that even though you're not talking with the person in the usual way, in this back and forth kind of way, you actually end up learning a whole lot more about <laughs> what the person has to say in the sense that um, you're more able to relate to the person at the sympathetic level as opposed to just trying to come up with things to say. Um, so you experience the, the, the other person in a more open way. Interdependence to me was a very complicated and subtle Buddhist concept, um, a concept from Buddhist philosophy, and it has different formulations in different sects uh, of Buddhism. And I had a more abstract and general understanding of um, interdependence. But after the course, I think one major um, realization is the, is the fact that this uh, general concept can actually be translated into so many different uh, techniques that are bodily, that are affective. And th so it's certainly more than just uh, a conceptual understanding. I'm, I'm struggling to, to, to articulate the kind of realization, probably because it's, it's really not that conceptual. It's really something that you, you then have this kind of bodily realization of what it, of the, of the ways in which, uh, we are intimately connected with the, uh, with each other, um, even beyond thoughts. Um, often, in the classroom, we were out of our seats and moving around too. Sometimes there were these exercises that Francis had us doing to 
illustrate how our bodies and nervous systems are interdependent. So there were these movements we were doing where we were paired up and had to hold this thin wooden stick between our hands and sort of push and pull and balance and keep the stick in the air and just very intuitively react to the other person's movements. And this was a really, really interesting activity, which began to feel very intimate and relaxing. It felt like it was so easy to become attuned to what the other person was doing with their body and how to respond to that. And it was just a very peaceful thing. It was really, really interesting. So having engaged with Buddhism before the course, I had encountered the philosophy of emptiness, you know, things like intrinsic existence, that's all good and well. And I had thought about the way that my life is supported by a countless amount of factors and people. And also being a student of cognitive science, which is a very interdisciplinary program, I had often thought about the way that issues don't exist in isolation and always result from a number of causes and conditions. But I think the biggest lesson that I took from the course was the inter and intrapersonal implications of interdependence and how compassion and emptiness are really two sides of the same coin. Some of the lessons from the readings that really stuck with me are ideas like that we are all, we all exist somewhere on spectrums of ignorance and that nobody willingly creates suffering for themselves. And when we really try to embody our understanding of interdependence and emptiness, it really forces you to think a bit more carefully before you make static attributions to somebody's character and disposition and think more deeply about the situational influences to the people that they are. When we consider how our own being is continuous with that of many others and the immediacy of the objects that make up our life have come from other people and everything around us has come from other people. When we think about the way the world appears to us and think about the challenges and mysteries that we all kind of have to explore collectively, it, it, it seems like it only makes sense to relate to other people with compassion and understanding that we're all trying to figure things out and we're all trying to find our way. And also to treat other people with that mentality given the way that we couldn't exist without them. And we very well could have ended up in a situation like them. They very well could have ended up in a situation like us. And there are so many elements of our lives that are contingent on things that are out of our control. 
it just makes sense to act in such a way to create harmony, I think, and to solidify ourselves with each other so that we don't have to be in the world alone. So the final class, it was like this sort of ritual, like final gathering where we did this, um, we did breath work together and it puts you in this like sort of state of euphoria. It was like for a UFT class, like it's just totally different from anything I've been in and <laughs> involved in at UFT, obviously. Um, this wasn't just studying with a group, you know, this wasn't like doing flashcards. This was like, like we're breathing together and like changing our state of consciousness. Yeah, so I remember at first it was just like difficult, but I could tell like, cause we're all doing it. So it was like, it was like this shared sort of like struggle with like this new way of breathing almost. But then like, as I got into it more and then I started feeling like the changes in like how I was feeling, it was just like, you get like kind of lightheaded and you really like you surrender to, um, just the activity of the interconnected activity, I guess. Yeah. Like this, this setting where we're all doing the same practice. Um, and just surrendering to like the present moment and just doing the practice together. And you're not really thinking of like a self. You're not thinking about like speaking inter interconnectedness. You're not thinking about like how you're independent, like how you're feeling like in your shell. It's like apart from everyone else in the class, like you rid yourself of all your ideas of yourself and other people. And you're just doing it as this collective. It was almost like, like it just opened myself up to uh something beyond myself i guess something like this like shared activity and then like we discussed after like everyone's individual experiences like when we're sort of like gathering together like gathering back into like ideas of like what happened and and it's like sharing like how it everybody felt like different like we all had different experiences but it was like this there was like this collective bonding that that has lasted sort of it was just an experience that sort of like opened your mind to um, interconnectedness. Because we were discussing our own ideas and sharing our own feelings so much, it really felt like we were all sharing in this experience together. I think it's particularly meaningful to be engaging in these practices of transformation together, whether we're doing it at home individually or doing an activity together in the class, to be able to come back to the group and disclose what has been happening to us along that journey and what we've been experiencing is really, really special. Um, to hear other people's insights and their experiences is really inspiring and humbling. Gives me an idea of uh, gratitude for what I've experienced. Gives me a sense of what I still have to learn, what I've yet to notice or experience that somebody else has. And I think that this had really like fostered a sense of gratitude and respect and empathy for my classmates. For as long as I can remember, I've always understood there was some inter interdependence of environmental things. I was raised in a cottage in Quebec that was called Two Elms. 
And my grandmother called me aside when I was about seven or eight, telling me it used to be called Four Elms. As time went on, a disease came, Dutch Elm, and it took away. And we, we actually only had one elm on the tree at that point. But she was keeping it called Two Elms so that we would learn that things don't stay the same way. Which I thought was interesting, but how it tied to it, I think I just always knew that things changed and they were changed by something outside. So I have promoted neonics being a bad pesticide for years and written many papers on that because I knew that that affects everything, pollinators and what we do affects the pollinator that affects that. But it hadn't gone any further than that. I hadn't really looked at it. I don't think the course has really ended for me. I think I've become very curious. Um, it's gone beyond just the social implication of the interconnectedness or the globalization business aspect of it. It's entered into, well, for me, brand new. It's entered into my body. Um, as far as how, how I can manage my body so that I can manage my day. I don't, it's, well, it's hard to step away from the politics happening today. And I think going from just looking at a very superficial, what I buy in my clothing or my food has been created, harvested, packaged, shipped, and I'm paying $5 for it. And all that's covering everything. That I think I had a handle on, but wasn't doing anything about. Now I'm finding everything is connected. I look at things and I'm going, what I do, or what you might do, is going to have an impact well beyond our view. So I do think how I might approach activism may change. Uh, I'm not sure if the reality will be any more utopian, but I think definitely what I might do will change. Yeah, um, a realization of the depth of the of the uh, significance of the things we, that we were learning in that class. One one thing is um, by being more mindful and and being more aware of our own experience, while realizing that your own experience is not bounded to your own skin or your own body, but it's really um, a manifestation of sentient experience in the greater web of cause and effect actually has actually make makes me feel a little less um, isolated in times of physical distancing and uh, being mostly home and not being able to physically connect uh, with people with friends and family in the usual way. It gives that interesting realization that even though you're alone, you're really not, um, because your your experience is not is not bounded to yourself. It's it's one that's shared by many out there. 
your experience is really not kind of wrapped in itself. It's it's kind of like um, you, you get this realization that your experience is part of a larger whole. And in attending to your own experience mindfully, you are actually attending to what is a, a reflection of a greater part, a greater sort of arena of all experiences that other sentient beings also participating or other people who are physically distancing from you are also part participating. That this topic of like interdependence, how we're all connected, we all share this this grounding condition of just, I guess, being. Um, the pandemic, you can definitely say the pandemic just because just the, the raw facts of it, just we can all be infected by this virus. We all share, like, even like, I'm thinking back to like Sharma's work now, just on a cellular level, how there is no, there is this deep collective self that's greater than our own like egoic um, point of view that we need to care about. Like even like the policies of wearing masks and stuff now, like this, these sort of like social changes are speaking to how we have to open our, our circle of concern for this collective self that we're trying to protect, not just our individuals in our individual selves. That's that we think is independent from everyone else. Like this is a system we need to work together to um, sustain and hopefully help recover from this. So I think this course really complements um, other courses well in that it draws attention to, um, to to a different set of skills, skills that are not just a, just a critical reading skill, not just writing skills, not just skills to be able to write programs or to, to carry out mathematical calculations. Um, but there are skills about how you can say, for, for example, um, be open, be uh, even like paying scientific attention to your own experience in a systematic and serious way, and that's that we learn very quickly is that is something that's not easy to do, and it requires a lot of practice. But in typical courses, this kind of skill certainly is not cultivated. But in this class, um, it's one major uh, goal of the class that we that we develop that kind of skill um so i think it's a it's a different set of skills and also even the skills of being being able to open to our fellow students or, or other other people uh, it also requires a kind of social skills or compassion skills of compassion um, that also is not a focus of many other classes at least in the classes that I've taken at U of T. Yeah, it was, it was refreshing, honestly. Like, so usually at U of T, it's just you study and there's either tests or you research and then you write an essay. So it was, it was deep. And there was like this social bonding too. Like every class felt it was like a sort of like a community or a sangha.
to be honest, actually, I would wish all courses were like that um, because normally uh, in university courses, I feel like um, our learning is directed outwards. So um, whatever material or content it is, we we're looking uh, looking outside for something, um, for a new kind of knowledge, and we're trying to absorb and understand it. But um, for this course, I think a big part of it is actually to look inwards, to put yourself in the picture and um, engage yourself in your own thoughts. It really, I think for me, actually, it was like transforming personally. Um, so I wasn't just learning something, but I was learning also about myself and my thoughts uh, changed and evolved as I learned more about myself and about um, interdependence and the course content. I think it's largely due to the way Frances had set up the course and what she made the assignments, the way she had evaluated us, and the way that she encouraged this space of discussion and communication and and equal co-participation. We all went through the ideas and exercises together, and it, it wasn't a one-way flow of information. And I think using these body practices and activities that she did were ways to think about and process ideas in a way that isn't purely rationally. And I think that that goes a really long way in the way that these experiences sit with us, I think. You know, we, we remember these movements and we remember being up and doing this or, or, or doing that much more strongly than just one day of sitting in a classroom in front of a projector that just blurs into another day of doing the same thing and another day of doing the same thing. You know, every day we came to class, it was something exciting and new that we hadn't done before. And that was really, really fantastic. Sounds like quite a different class. In their own voices here, students told me how totally different from almost every other course this was for them. The learning experience designed so richly integrated their embodied and effective experiences with their readings, these frequent reflective writings, and these class experiences. It's clear that Francis built a course on a core Buddhist studies concept, interdependence, but built it into a class with lasting impact in the lives of her students. Through the practices done together in their class time, a class time that, by the way, was also often lengthened to four hours most weeks, the students harnessed their bodies and their breaths to heighten, accompany, and integrate intellectual experiences. All of the students commented about how personal this integration felt, making them think about themselves, their relationships to their worlds, their memories. They spoke of experiencing gratitude for their bodies and letting go of wounds. What also stands out to me was what Sam called equal co-participation. Students with a professor going through these exercises and readings together, being in a community, a safe and supportive space, inviting and encouraging personal reflection and processing through this physical level. Sally said that this made the class not a pretend study of something in the past, but instead very lived 
and applicable. Six months after the course wrapped, in a moment of global pandemic where everyone's lives had been changed radically overnight, all these students still describe this experience as transformative. Thank you to Shinran, Sam, Sally, Richard, and Aaron for speaking with me about your experience in this course. You can find more information about Francis's course on interdependence on our website with the show notes plus a transcript at teachingbuddhism.net. If you've enjoyed this, please hit that subscribe button and share this with your friends. Special thanks to Dr. Betsy Moss for recording and creative direction for this episode and to Dr. Francis Garrett for editing and co-producing this episode. This podcast was created at the Robert H. N. Ho Family Foundation Center for Buddhist Studies at the University of Toronto. Thanks for listening and be well.